This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Ben Sears from TheMovieState.com. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com and more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer, where we have several different reward tiers. Um, for supporting us on Patreon at the $1 level, you'll have access to over 150 exclusive B-roll episodes recorded after most of the podcast episodes that we record. And at the $2 a month level, you get that plus movie or I'm sorry, TV and, uh, TV review and reaction episodes, as well as book reactions. I'm currently working on a, a, uh, a long gestating project on, uh, the green mile by Stephen King, uh, that should go up pretty soon, but I'm also doing, uh, episode reviews of chapel Wade and foundation and soon I'm going to be doing Invasion at some point. Um, so you get all of that at the $2 level. And then at the $5 level, you get everything that I've said, plus movie commentary tracks and uh, what I'm what I'm calling Patreon potpourri, which are just little like 45 minute to an hour long episodes where I just t- record my thoughts about uh, movies that I've watched recently. Um, I currently have five Patreon potpourri episodes up there now. Um, that's at the $5 level. And then finally, at the $10 level, you get all of that plus early access to podcast episodes and previously unreleased content. And again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and everything that uh we make on patreon goes toward paying the fees to pee to keep to <laughs> paying the fees to pee uh paying the fees to keep the podcast running so uh it is greatly appreciated so check that out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer i'm your host the aforementioned matt hurt and with me today is contributor and recurring co-host ben sears who just recently launched his own website themoviestate.com uh ben how is it going and uh yeah how's it going wonderful Nice. And uh, so, yeah, so you you launched your own website. Yep. Um, you Do you want to talk about it? Uh, yes, I yes. do. Okay. Um, yeah, just uh, it'll have uh, uh, all kinds of uh, movie reviews, TV reviews. Um, I'm nice. hoping to do some interviews. Uh, nice. Hopefully as often as I can. We'll see. Uh, special features. Um I've got some uh some projects in the works uh hopefully nice. in the near future um kind of like what they do over at Midwest Film Journal kind of nice. like uh themed uh series mm-hmm. um I've got a uh running list of Oscar predictions I saw uh, that on there so uh don't have every category up and going mm-hmm. just yet but um uh, there's uh, a good a good amount of them. So, nice. Yeah, yeah. The Oscars page looks really really good, and I really like the way that uh, even though I, as I said in Patreon, I'm not a big Oscar prognosticator, <laughs> but it's very. I mean, that's stuff that I could get really lost in. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah, and I know that you're a huge fan of that that kind of stuff, the award season stuff. So this is true. Well done. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So where can we find the movie state on the internet? The movie state dot com. Nice. Um, I was uh, 
I guess I joined Twitter. <laughs> I, <sighs> you know, if I if I had the time and the inclination, I would go back on on to like one of your first episodes of Obsessive Viewer where you said like yeah. I will never have Twitter. <laughs> I it probably wasn't that long ago. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, things are going great so far. Yeah. I just hope that it, this isn't some kind of app where uh, <laughs> bad people have bad opinions or. Uh, or it's a a bad thing for people's mental health. Oh yeah, it will be. But um, <laughs> but no, I thought it was funny because like you you are very adamant. You have been very adamant about um, pizza jumping on the table. Yeah, and she just did it. <sighs> she did. Yeah, but no, you've been very adamant about um, uh, not joining Twitter and everything. And then like when you when you join Twitter and everything, I I put like a notification thing on there. So anytime you tweet, I see it mm-hmm. so that I can retweet and everything and, and like your posts. And like, I'm just seeing like all of these, all of these tweets coming through. I'm like, okay, Ben's, <laughs> Ben's one of us now. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So follow just Ben. Just gotta get the brand out there. Exactly. Exactly. So follow Ben at the movie state on Twitter. Um, yeah, well, I'm excited for you. I'm very, very excited because you're probably one of the most prolific like film writers that I know. Um, so it's, it's nice to, nice to see you have like your own little playground. Sure. Um, yeah. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. Anything else about that? I don't know. I felt like I had another thing. So when are you launching your podcast? (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Uh, nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) You never know. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll see how popular the website gets first. Okay. And if the people demand it, then mm-hmm. uh, we'll make it happen. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, today on the podcast, though, today on this podcast, we are going to be talking about a bunch of movies that we've been watching um, in the run-up to the end of the year. We're both members of the Indiana Film Journalists Association, so we are on the cusp of doing the awards season kind of stuff, and we're about to meet with the group. Uh, it's going to be your first time meeting with the group for the awards uh, season selection and everything. So um, we have devised this episode to just kind of go back and forth about certain movies that we've watched lately in preparation for the end of the year. And, uh, and yeah, we have a list of about 10 movies, I think, uh, between the two of us. And I'm very excited because it could be longer folks. Oh, it could be much longer. (laughs) Like just check our letterboxd accounts. Um, it's, it's insane. And like, I'm personally pretty proud of myself because, I feel like I'm making up for lost time because last year I had COVID right at this time of year and I could not focus on anything. Like I, mm-hmm. I thought for a second when I got it, I was like, okay, well maybe I, it's a week or two away from when we meet for the awards. So at least I'll be able to just like lay on the couch and, and just watch screeners and watch movies all, all day, every day until the meeting. And then I had like 103 degree fever and and chills and uh, migraines and everything. And I was just like, I can't like I literally cannot focus on anything. I hate the movie Tenant because that's the only movie that I was able to watch while I had COVID and I hated it. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, so I'm making up for lost time and I'm watching a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of movies at the end of the year. And uh, and yeah, so I'm really excited. And that's part of why I've been pumping out so many Patreon potpourri um, things on Patreon at the $5 level. Um, ben, how has your first 
year as a member of the IFGA been in terms of award season prepping for the for the meeting? It's been pretty fantastic. Nice. Um, I haven't really felt a ton of pressure to uh, crunch in a bunch of movies because I feel like I've done a good enough job of uh, watching new releases like as they come out. Yeah. Um, so I haven't, you know, I, I know we were just talking about this. Um, not you and I, but, you know, it was in one of the email chains, Mm -hmm. uh, about some people like to, uh, cram Mm -hmm. at the last minute and then some people just like to just, uh, stay up to date as Mm -hmm. the year goes on. I am one of the second group. So, um, but yeah, it's been really great. I have watched 103 movies from 2021. Oh, nice. Uh, wow! Although I, I'm counting the father. I'm making an executive. Oh, decision. interesting. Okay. I'm counting that as a 2021 movie. Interesting. So, because I was not a IFJA member. Sure. For 2020. So. Okay. Okay. That, that's fair. I have watched 65 2021 releases. Okay. Um, and a considerable amount of those. Uh, what's four times six? Twenty four. <laughs> Uh, 24. So like 21 of those have been in the last like few weeks or in the last month, I would say. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's something. Um, yeah. I forgot that I canceled my Stitcher premium anyway. Um, (laughs) so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. It's, it's an exciting time and it's, it's interesting because, um, I'm usually someone who, uh, at least previous to three years ago, like I like the holiday season and I like Christmas and everything, but <laughs> I feel like I can't watch any Christmas movies or anything until after the meeting. So right. and like yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And there's been a couple that have come out that I kinda wanna check out. Like there are three that I wanna see <laughs> uh that I don't think are good, <laughs> but I think they're all on Disney Plus. No, one is on HBO Max. I wanna see 8 Bit Christmas. Okay. And on Disney Plus I want to see Home Sweet Home Alone. Oh. I no. just I want to see it no, as you a, don't. as as an experiment. Uh. Like I want to see just how terrible it really is. <laughs> um I want to see uh, that. I I can bring over some edibles for you if okay. you if that would help. <laughs> I will definitely keep that in mind. <laughs> um and then uh the third movie is this is such a weird reason and then we'll get into the actual potpourri here. But uh <laughs> this movie called Christmas Again. Um and there's a specific reason why I want to see that movie. It's basically Groundhog's Day with Groundhog Day with Christmas. Oh boy. Which and it's a new release. It's on Disney Plus, but back in like 99, 98, there was a there was an ABC Family original movie called Christmas Every Day that I watched <laughs> every year and i loved it dearly um and i can never find it anywhere so i'm like okay i'm gonna see what these people did with this concept um this super clever concept of groundhog day um but yeah so i'm kind of curious about that did you ever watch last year uh the hulu uh movie uh happiest season i didn't but i need to i really want to i think you would like that yeah it's it's a pretty standard Mm rom-com christmas movie but yeah it's it's 
It's got good parts. Mary nice. Holland is in it. Mm-hmm. So I think did she co-write it as well? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, I really want to see that. I it just slipped through my finger. Oh, and Allison Brie's in it too. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. I know it's Case Stew and oh god. Um, uh, yeah, I can't remember. Mm, her name I can't remember right her name now either. But I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was nice. pretty solid. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there are two things that I love is uh, a Mackenzie Davis. Um, it's Christmas, uh, Christmas movies and rom coms. So yep. can't really go wrong there. Um, so, uh, you might say that there, those are two things that I love actually, um, is Christmas and rom-coms. So, uh, today on the show, we're going to be doing extended potpourri and this is exciting because we have a lot of movies and pizza is being disruptive. So do you mind if I get us kicked off? I have a list here. I don't know if you want to go in this order or not, um, but I'll send you a screenshot. Um, Go for it. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to bring up is a movie that um, is going to be on Amazon video. It's an Amazon original. It's Aaron Sorkin uh, writing and directing his uh, his new movie, Being the Ricardos. And this movie, I'm going to try to discreetly bring up the plot summary, uh, but it's basically about... Uh, God, why is this not... My phone is... Mm, very much, very much frustrating. Um, <laughs> frustrating me. Uh, being the Ricardos. Okay, so it stars Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. Follows Lucy and Desi as they face a crisis that could end their careers and another that could end their marriage. Uh, it is coming out December 10th on Amazon, I believe. And uh, stars Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. Um, Nina uh, Arianda as Vivian Vance and J.K. Simmons as William Frawley, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Um, so, Ben... Uh, you, sorry, ahead. correction. It's oh, coming yes. to theaters on December 10th. Oh, there we go. Amazon Prime in, like, uh, it might be Chris, uh, New Year's Eve. Oh, you know, you're right. Yep, um, my bad. So, December 10th, theater, uh, December 21st, uh, oh, right. Amazon. Okay. Yeah, okay, my bad. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's a movie. I... So I don't know that I really care for Aaron Sorkin anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, it's interesting because if you go back to like the beginning of this podcast in the very beginning in 2013, please don't go back there. Um, we were big fans of Aaron Sorkin at the beginning. And I don't know why, like, I don't know. I think I've just, my tastes have changed and I've grown, but he is just very, very just surface level to me in a weird way. And, and being the Ricardos is no different. It just seems like the, um, it seems like, it seems like the classic Aaron Sorkin thing where he just has characters trying to out clever each other in every scene. And because of that, it's just, it's him constantly fighting himself for his dialogue to be just absolutely pristine. And in, in, and in the, in, uh, in the, um, I don't know what phrase I'm looking for. Wow. Um, as a result of that, it just turns into them trying to outclever each other and them just not speaking like human beings. Right. And the emotional aspect of it falls by the wayside a little bit. And this is no different. And I, I mean, I put, I'm, I'm going to put in my letterbox review, I'm going to say that, um, 
he still can't Aaron Sorkin still cannot write a romantic relationship worth a damn. And this proves that he can't, he can't direct one either. Um, but having said that, Nicole Kidman is really good as okay. a seal ball. And I really enjoyed Javier Bardem. Um, but there are some certain aspects to it that it seems like weirdly, it seems, it doesn't make sense necessarily why, uh, um, there's some there's some cuts in the not cuts in the narrative but cuts in the timeline there are flashbacks um throughout it that it's it's like it's telling it in a nonlinear way but it's a little hard to discern when we are and everything in the story and it's just kind of i don't know it just didn't didn't have like an emotional resonance for me um despite looking good and the performances being pretty solid um you haven't had a chance to see this yet have you no uh okay. i uh, was either going to watch that or uh, one of the other movies that we'll talk about tonight, and I chose the other one. Um, but I will watch nice. it this week. I'm hoping to watch it and write a review for the site uh, nice. in time for the theatrical release. Nice. Um, it's it's kind of funny that you say that about the uh, screenplay, because I mm-hmm. remember we talked about it and uh, how this didn't really feel like a typical Sorkin project. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's kind of funny how it, you say that it still kind of fits the mold of the uh, Sorkin, uh, Sorkin. Absolutely. You know, well, ethos. He, here's the thing. Sorkin, Sorkin movies are basically Sorkin writing a character as a vessel for himself yeah, and how he is the most genius person in the room of idiots. And like, this is no different. Like Lucille Ball is painted as this genius person, which by all accounts, she could have been, I don't know the history of, of the, of I love Lucy or anything, but she has a lot of input into what works and what doesn't work in the show. And like, that's great, but it's Sorkin writing it. And you just know that it's just, it's Sorkin being Sorkin. It's Sorkin using Lucille Ball as a vessel for Sorkin in mm-hmm. his movie. And it just feels very, uh, it just feels very hollow. And it doesn't feel like it It has really much, much of anything to do with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz as much as it has for Aaron Sorkin's ego. And that's just, it just, it doesn't work for me because I think that he's very cold in his writing and he doesn't have that emotional kind of, uh, connection to the characters that, that he, he never really has. Um, yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, with studio 60, I, I'm still annoyed at that show <laughs> because <laughs> it made, um, a sketch comedy show seem like they were trying to save the freaking world. Um, but it was, it was very forward thinking. It was very, Ballsy of them to make a sketch comedy show that wasn't funny, um, <laughs> that didn't have any comedy in it. It was very brave. Yes, very brave. Um, I, yeah. I've heard that uh, J.K. Simmons is pretty good in this. He is. He's very good because he's I mean, J.K. When, Simmons. when is he not good? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. I Like, there are scenes where he's talking, especially toward the end of the movie, where um, I'm just like, I'm like, I, I would just sit there and listen to him talk for hours <laughs> on end. Like, like with, it wouldn't matter. Like right. his voice is just so soothing and perfect. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's my brief first one being the Ricardos. It's going to be on Amazon prime, uh, December 21st and in theaters, December 10th. And, uh, I don't really recommend it. I, uh, don't remember what I rated it. Oh, I haven't rated it yet, but I'm probably going to give it two and a half out of five stars. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, yeah, just doesn't didn't really work for me. I will say that the that it is kind of beautiful in the way that it shows the kind of classic classic television sets and and that era of of television. But other than that, it doesn't really work. There. Oh, and there are a couple of scenes where like. I mean, I guess technically it is appropriate or it is period appropriate because of the time. But like there are two there are two things where I'm like, wait, did they just say that? Because there's a scene where uh, Lucille Ball says, don't gaslight me. And I'm like, did <laughs> did the term gaslighting really come into was that really prominent in 1952? Right. Um, because it's based on the movie Gaslight, which is from like 46, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like, was it really in the cultural lexicon then? <laughs> But and then he also mentions like the uh, Tony Hale. Tony Hale does a pretty good job in it, by the way. Um, but he plays the executive producer of the show, and he like he said like he has an argument with Lucille Ball, and he's like he's like I'm the showrunner, and I'm like, well, hang on, let's pump <laughs> the brakes. I don't know if showrunner was really a term back yeah. in 1952. Like I don't know, just like those two instances, those are very minor. They do not factor into my enjoyment or disapproval of the movie, but I just like it gave me pause. I'm like, and took you out of it. Yeah, sounds n- like not really. I was just like, okay, Sorkin, okay, <laughs> okay, right. fine. Um, but yeah, but two and a half out of five stars. wasn't really a fan. Um, okay, so that means the Academy is gonna love it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if I. Honestly, I don't know if I liked... Uh, no, I liked the trial of, Sh- of the Chicago 7 more. Interesting. Um, yeah. But even then, like, I came away from the trial of the Chicago 7 enjoying it, but then it just it slipped from my mind after that. I didn't, mm. I, it didn't really have any lasting appeal for me. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, what's your first uh, potpourri on this episode, Ben? Um, I will talk about the new... Um uh Paul Schrader movie The Card Counter. Nice. Uh which I believe we've both watched. Mhm. Yep. Um this is me... how it starts. Um <laughs> I don't know. An idea or whatever. Give um, me one moment to pull up the plot description. Yeah, The Card Counter is his follow-up to uh, No, he actually did a movie in between uh this and um uh, uh, first um, reformed. First reformed. Like he did, really? like a straight to DVD kind of thing. Like I don't know. He has a very interesting filmography, and I'm really just trying to vamp so that you can get to the plot summary. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's oh, really yeah, I interesting. Guess he did. Yeah. Dark. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Some like generic straight to streaming thing or something. Okay. Um. But yeah. Um, okay. So. Uh, plot description, uh, William Tell just wants to play cards. His Spartan experience on the casino trail is shattered when he is approached by Kirk, an un- a vulnerable and angry young man seeking to help, seeking help to execute his plan for revenge on a military colonel. Tell seeks a chance at redemption through his relationship with Kirk, but keeping Kirk on the straight and narrow proves impossible, dragging Tell back into the darkness of his past. Uh, yes. So this uh, <clears throat> stars Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish and Ty Sheridan and Willem Dafoe, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, written and directed by Paul Schrader, um, and I really like this. Nice. Uh, I I was kind of uh, blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked First Reformed. I don't know. It, I, I don't think this is better than first reformed but i think it's as good as first reformed um but i really liked it i really liked oscar isaac 
I really liked the directing. Um, there's some really interesting camera choices. Yeah. I really like how it's written. It's really subtle and really, uh, I like the themes that it's, uh, working with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I really get Paul Schrader as a director. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like this movie felt like it was, I mean, it felt like it was basically him just redoing first reform to an extent, mm-hmm. at least in tone. It is. Yeah. The, the tone is very similar. Like yeah. even right down to, uh, he, he, there's a, uh, Oscar Isaac does a voiceover and yep. writes in a journal. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, okay, you're just doing the same thing basically. Mm-hmm. But despite that, I mean, Oscar Isaac, I mean, he is, yeah, he is incredible. He is just yes. incredible. And there's like one scene where he and Ty Sheridan are at a diner. Yes. Yes. And he's telling, he's describing what it's like over overseas and the camera is just is just zooming in mm-hmm. on him the whole time, and he is just giving like the most incredible performance I've seen uh, in that movie. Yes, um, and it's just it's so it's so good. Um, so even though it's Paul Schrader doing a lot of the same things that Paul Schrader did in First Reformed, it's still compelling enough. So I, I don't know. Yeah. How did you How did you feel about it overall? Yeah, I I really liked it. Um... There's, uh, I also really liked the, uh, the camera work, like, Mm -hmm. uh, Oscar Isaac's character was, uh, in prison because of, he was a, uh, uh, interrogator, I guess, Mm -hmm. or an assistant interrogator or something at Abu Ghraib. And the scenes that are in Abu Ghraib are Mm. really incredibly filmed. It's I, I guess it's like a fisheye lens. It's like that a uses, double fisheye lens. But it's crazy. It's yeah. like a, a it's like a psychedelic mm. experience, which kind of fits. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so visually mm. impressive. Um I I don't know of any other filmmaker that would have made that choice. Yeah. Uh, it, it was crazy. And uh, I feel like a lot of those scenes were like all one extended take. Uh, through the hallways and yeah. through the corridors and stuff. It just looked really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, and just really disturbing, too. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah so that that was good. I, I And I liked the movie overall pretty well. I will say that I don't think... I, Ty Sheridan seems like a good kid. <laughs> um, but man, I throughout the movie, I was like, he is struggling to keep up with Oscar Isaac. Like he is mm. struggling hardcore. <laughs> um, he, his performance just really didn't do much for me. It was a little too, too subdued and it didn't have enough beneath the surface for mm. me. See, he didn't really stick out too much to mm. me. What did was Tiffany Haddish. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. She, I don't know, maybe it was just like her line deliveries mm-hmm. just felt a little stiff, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. She didn't totally work for me. Yeah, it did seem. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She was. She was fine. Right. Um. But yeah, yeah. Some of she her line delivery. She didn't have a whole lot to do. But no. You know. And also, some of it was a little bit. I guess I don't know if I would say I don't know if I would characterize it as comic relief, but she had a lot of the like kind of quippy lines, mm. and I feel like that giving giving her those lines is a little bit. I don't want to say distracting because I mean she, you know, her bread and butter is comedy films, 
but I mean, if she's going to be in a drama, like give her drama. Right. <laughs> um, it just seems a little bit, a little bit uh, pointless to kind of make her be the kind of comic relief, if you want to call it that, in this very dark and dour movie. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think this is an excellent screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember vaguely, like, when this came out in September, maybe? Yeah, September. Um, we had briefly talked about potentially... Yeah. talking about it on the podcast yeah but it just like wasn't available at all to oh, see no. here in indie yeah and it was really frustrating it was mm-hmm. like one maybe two theaters yeah and for like two weekends i think right and like maybe two maybe three screenings a day yeah um and it's i i just got like so mad once i saw it because mm-hmm. like why aren't people why aren't more people talking about right this? This oh is, yeah this is a major studio film starring mm-hmm. oscar isaac and yeah paul schrader directing and it should be a bigger deal than it is and yeah. it's like it just got like dumped mm-hmm. in the middle of september yeah. and i i don't know i wish it it got a bigger release than what it got yeah me too and i hopefully award season is kind to it because mm-hmm. i think that it at the very least oscar isaac is is just incredible i think yeah. he, d- he does such a fine job in the movie um yeah yeah and i i do think the script i i agree with you the script is very very good even mm-hmm. though it is it is a little too reminiscent in style to uh first reformed i mean it's still a style that worked yeah so, yeah yeah um any other thoughts on first reformed two? Um, the card counter. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I think I saw that it is coming to Redbox. I think on the fourteenth. Oh, so nice! If people haven't seen it yet, uh, I I would highly recommend renting it. Or I think you can do like the like freaking twenty dollar oh, rental yeah. or whatever right now. But uh, <laughs> uh, no hard feelings if you want to wait until it's. Yeah, I I definitely, I I recommend checking it out if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, All right, should I continue with uh, my next pick? Go for it. Okay, so my next pick is the Pablo Lorraine uh, directed, Stephen Knight written by film, that's a weird way to introduce (laughs) it, uh, Spencer. So plot summary is, during her Christmas holidays with the royal family at the Sandringham Estate in Norfolk, England, Diana Spencer, struggling with mental health problems, decides to end her decade-long marriage to Prince Charles. Uh, It stars Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, Timothy Spall as Major Alistair Alistair Gregory, and uh, a bunch of other people. Jack Farthing as Prince Charles, uh, Sean Harris as Darren. Um, And yeah, so this Uh, is... Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins as Maggie. And then, uh, yeah, and Stella Gunnett as the queen. Okay, so Spencer, um, this is a movie that I, honestly, I did not have high expectations for all that much. Hmm. Um, I had, I did not see Pablo Lorraine's movie Jackie, but I did watch all of his episodes of Lisey's Story on Apple TV Plus um, for Tower Junkies. And I really love his style. Like, he, he just, the, the... 
visual styles that he uses is just very, very evocative. And Spencer is a very good movie. Mm. <laughs> um, it's funny. I had this moment where uh, I was watching it. And then as soon as Kristen Stewart spoke her first line of dialogue, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, wait, she's she's American, right? Like she's <laughs> she's from America. Like and she was born in L.A. and she's like I like she sold. I mean, she does a a an an absolutely remarkable job as Princess Diana. Yeah. And what I really liked about this movie was that it wasn't your standard biopic and like the plot summary says it's about her struggling with mental health and facing uh, this very big decision point that she's going to, that she's coming to and it's also this display of her being defiant but fearful against and for or of the like the traditions of the royal family and being in in this this machination of monarchy and like her fear of that but her defiance of it and her just feeling suffocated and the way that the film has these just very wide shots of the grounds and everything is like such an interesting juxtaposition to her claustrophobia through the movie and I don't know. I just I really really love uh, really really liked Spencer. So mm-hmm. yeah, have you seen it? I have. Okay, what did you think of it? Uh, I will echo what you say about Kristen Stewart. I think mm-hmm. she is incredible. Uh, I think she is uh, likely going to win the Oscar for Best Actress, nice. and I will be very happy when that happens. Mm-hmm. I feel um, a butt coming on. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, oh, nice. I I um. I also did not see Jackie, but mm-hmm. from what I understand, this is f- fairly similar to it. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I really would like to see Jackie, especially now. Um, but I like, uh, again, that it's it's not a traditional biopic. Mm-hmm. I think that would be uh, incredibly boring. Yeah. I'm sure that will happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I've heard, actually a lot of the details that you get about uh, Diana in this are basically just totally untrue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like uh, her family living like right next door oh, to yeah. this estate. Interesting. Uh, just did not happen. Hmm. Um, and then there there were a couple other things, but I can't remember what. Mm. But I, I don't care about that. Me you know? neither. Like the I'm, movie opens with that disclaimer. It's a fable based on a tragedy yes, or something. Yes. And I, I thought that was very eloquent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, a fun spin on it. Yeah. Um, and I like the kind of nightmare slash horror movie vibes of it. Yeah. Uh, the, that was a really interesting take on it. Um, Especially like Johnny Greenwood's score mm-hmm. is just crazy good. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. The only issues that I have with it, I think that the script is a little heavy-handed at times sure. in terms of some of the metaphors. You know, mm. like at the beginning, she's literally lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's about her, like you know, trying to rediscover herself. I guess you know. Mm-hmm. Um. There's that, and then there's uh, like all the the pheasants, the pheasant imagery, and how like the royal family are like shooting them, and they're being bred to kill. You know, that's yeah, that's, that's a, a good line. point. <laughs> um, so you know, that's that's a little heavy handed, but again, I'm I'm okay with it. Believe it or yeah. not, um, it didn't ruin the movie for me. It, you know, 
uh, maybe didn't uh, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have liked to because of that. Sure. But you know, like I said, it's not uh, a deal breaker. Yeah. Um. Uh. What else was I gonna say? I feel like it ends on such a triumphant note, which I thought <laughs> I found really interesting. Yes. Given the you know the tragedy of Princess Diana, mm-hmm. um, I just found that to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other kind of like minor issue that I have with it is that her whole thing with her, uh, her marriage potentially ending mm-hmm. doesn't feel totally front and center, you know? Yeah, it really like she, doesn't. She has that one scene with him mm-hmm. and that's about it that you, I mean, she, she yeah. talks a little bit about the woman that he had an affair with, but, yeah. uh, it's, that's about it. You know, the yeah. rest is just like her struggles to fit in with the royal family and how much they don't like her. But, you know. Yeah, I I agree. That is that is a little bit of a problem or is a little bit of a um, an issue with the movie. But I think that the fact that the movie does seem to focus on the uh, just the like I said, the machinations of the monarchy mm-hmm. um, that in and, and the traditions and and like all of the just pomp and circumstance and how that is completely counter, like how, like how Diana is literally just so over it from the outset. Right. Um, I think that that creates in it a pretty compelling narrative that would have, that I, I would say almost supplants the, you know, uh, failing marriage kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But you're right though. It does. I mean, it does kind of create this void in, in it. Cause like, we're introduced to her with her already reaching this decision, already having this information, already knowing what she's going to do. And then mm-hmm. we're playing catch up with her. And it's not until I don't think it's really until like that scene with him that we really get the full picture of what she's what she's doing and what she's thinking. Yeah. Um, and so that is a, a little bit of a, a detriment to the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, just just about everything else uh, about this, I I really love. Um, nice. The cinematography is great. The mm. production design's great. The costumes are great. Yeah. They're nineties tastic. Um, <laughs> nice. The score. Uh, yeah. There's uh you you had mentioned the the pomp and circumstance of the mm. royal family. There's a really funny uh visual in the uh in the kitchen. There's a sign that says something like, uh, uh, keep your voice down or something. They can hear you. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, they don't like draw attention to it, right. but you see it in the background and it's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. And just the carefulness of, of them prepping the dinner and everything mm-hmm. is just like, okay. Um, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Right. Um, yeah. Anything else on Spencer? Um, no, I, I don't okay. think so. I, I, I really liked it as well. I don't yeah. know. I don't think it'll be in my top 10, but, okay. uh, it's, it's close. It's yeah, up there. I don't think it'll be in my top 10. I would either. still recommend it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Me too. Oh yeah. If, if, if only for Kristen Stewart's performance, I yes. think she just was amazing. Um, all right. All right. So Ben, what is your next, uh, your next bit for for potpourri for this episode okay uh so i'll talk about uh the 
the second uh, Ridley Scott movie from 2021, uh, House of Gucci. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was pretty excited for this, Mm -hmm. like from the get go before I even really knew anything about it. Like I remember I saw the, that first uh, press photo of Adam driver and lady Gaga. Yeah. Um, I guess I should give a plot description. About oh yeah. Movie. If you want to, <laughs> uh, the first uh, really Scott movie of 2021, by the way, it was the last duel, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. Same did we, here. We reviewed it, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. That. And what did we review? Uh, with that? Mass, I think. Oh yeah. Mass, man. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, House of Gucci, uh, the true story of how Patrizia Reggiani plotted to kill her husband, Maurizio Gucci, the grandson of renowned fashion designer, Guccio Gucci. Um, and so this has, uh, Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, Jared Leto, uh, Jeremy Irons, Al Pacino, Salma Hayek, for some reason, (laughs) Jack Houston. Um, Oh, Jack Houston. Yes. Um, and so, uh, yeah, again, I was, I was really excited for this. Um, I watched the trailer several times, Mm -hmm. um, and then the last duel came out and I got even more excited for it Mm -hmm. and man, was I let down. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Um, I've heard pretty bad things, honestly. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't say that it's bad. It was just not as great as I was hoping it would be. Okay. It's kind of. Uh, you hear that plot description and it's, that's, it doesn't get much more nuanced than that. Like yeah. it's your standard, you know, kind of biopic. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I thought this was ironic cause I saw this one the same day as I saw, uh, tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, um, nice. and so they're very similar in style. Like, uh, Lady Gaga is very much a lady of Macbeth. Uh, okay. type of person she like she marries into the gucci family and she uh talks adam driver into um basically taking over the family company um okay. because uh she it's not totally clear whether she just wants power and money mm-hmm. or whether she genuinely uh loves Adam Driver and wants to see him succeed. Okay. That is like one of the biggest issues with the movie is the script is just uh both cookie cutter and uh very vague uh mm-hmm. about you know certain characters' motivations and stuff. Um and I I liked Lady Gaga in this. I think she's really great but i i was kind of let down at the same time um because she is in my opinion the best part of the movie okay but it's nowhere close to as good as she was in um in a star is born in my opinion okay um yeah again she's she is very good uh i don't know what her chances are for uh an oscar nomination but mm-hmm. i would be okay with her getting one. Um, everyone else is just kind of, <laughs> I, I, I think everyone else has pretty much said this already, but it's, it's a very campy kind of, that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah. Movie. Lots of, uh, 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 dialed up performances, lots of, uh, dialed up accents, uh, even from Lady Gaga. Um, 
Jared Leto is just... Uh, I don't know if we have enough time to go into that. <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> oh boy. Um, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, but yeah, Adam Driver is is fine. I don't know. Here's my thing about Adam Driver. I think he's fine in this. It's just I wonder, like, if he has done so much other good stuff that we have just like gotten uh overly familiar with the types of performances that he's given you know yeah like he was pretty good in the last duel but like Mm. no one talked about it and i wonder if it's just because he's been so good in the past wait you're talking about adam driver yes okay for some reason i thought you were talking about jared leto okay yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) uh very much no yeah um but yeah uh he's he's fine uh Mm -hmm. Selma Hayek is, I, I have no idea why she's in this movie. <laughs> uh, her character just doesn't make any sense. She's like, oh, yeah. She's like Lady Gaga's psychic. Uh, Wait. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and she uh, gets a more important role in the end of it, but mm. it's just, it's bonkers. Oh, wow. Um, but it's, it is very campy in some regards but it's not campy enough you know okay uh if if they wanted it to be truly silly and over the top they didn't go hard enough you know okay and we um i forget who exactly brought this up at the macbeth screening Mm -hmm. but they were saying that this could have worked even better as a uh as a miniseries and i made the point they kind of did that already with the um uh, what's his name? Ryan Murphy. Uh, oh. The uh, assassination of Giuliani Versace. Oh, okay, yeah. That the one American with... Crime Story. Yes. Yeah. Um. They so they kind of tread that ground already. Gotcha. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess <laughs> the best part about uh, House of Gucci is the memes that have come out from oh, it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen any of those. I, uh, I think I've seen a couple of them. Mostly about Jared Leto. Yeah. Have you, uh, okay, so I'm going to show you a, a meme that I, uh, screenshotted from this. Okay. But I want you first to pull up Jared Leto in House of Gucci, pull up a photo of him. Okay. And while you're doing that, I'll read one of the other, this is a tweet that I, uh, saw. Mm. Don't know who, how else to describe Jared Leto's performance in House of Gucci other than the first case of a white actor performing in whiteface. <laughs> and oh, yep, that's good. I I gotta agree with that one. That's Jared Leto. Yes. So I'll what? I'll go ahead. And, I okay. Yeah, I'll show you the photo of this this meme that I found. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> God damn it. It's a coach whatever from Big Mouth. Yeah, Coach Steve. Coach Steve. Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I don't and, know why. And once once you see the movie, you will 100% agree with that. Okay. I don't know why the images, like the poster for Jared Leto and House of Gucci, like why does it, why do I feel like this is a presidential biopic? Yeah. Like it looks like an old style, like Founding Fathers, mm-hmm. uh, David McCullough or McCullough whatever mccullough or whatever like biopic not mm-hmm. uh, like one of his books um yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it was kind of a letdown mm-hmm. uh i kind I of a letto down um <laughs> watch the last duel instead yeah the last duel is amazing man yeah um 
Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else on House of Gucci? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm probably not going to watch it. Okay. Um, I might watch it eventually, but uh, yeah, I've got more important things to watch. Hmm. Um, this next one is going to be pretty brief. I talked about it in um, my Patreon potpourri number five, which came out today um, at the $5 level. So it's No Man of God. Um, and the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is the complicated relationship that formed be- between the FBI analyst Bill Hagmeyer and serial killer Bundy during Bundy's final years on death row. It was directed by Amber Seeley, written by Kit Lesser, and stars Elijah Wood as Bill Hagmeyer, Luke Kirby as Ted Bundy, and Alexa Palladino as Carolyn Lieberman and Robert Patrick as Roger uh, DePue and W. Earl Brown as the warden of the prison. And so No Man of God is an... I'm going to talk very briefly about it and I wasn't going to bring it up but I did forget one element of it that I found very confusing. Hmm. Um, Ben, have you seen this movie? No. Okay. So it is available to stream on AMC+. Um, it's not that good. It's, there's nothing there that wasn't already done better in 2019's, um, extremely evil, wickedly, whatever. God, I can't, uh, shockingly evil and cruel, whatever that, uh, the Zac Efron movie was where he played Ted Bundy. That movie was a lot better. No Man of God purports to be, I guess, sort of about like the crisis of faith that the that the FBI profiler profiler has when facing Bundy but also not it's about the friendship that he forms with Bundy but it's not it's about Bundy trying to get an extension on his death row um stay but it's also not it's it's very just listless and doesn't really do much but one of the big points of it one of the big issues with the movie or one one of the big kind of propellant parts of the movie is that it's about trying to get Ted Bundy to commit to confess to the crimes that he committed to the murders mm-hmm. and everything and which is also something that was handled in the Zac Efron movie but not that's neither here nor there but in this movie it's about Bill Hagmar trying to get that out of him or or getting to a point where he can do that and um there's a point in the movie where it's it's going to be slightly spoilery, but I don't know. But it's weird. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and spoil a little bit of uh, No Man of God. It's not a good movie. I don't recommend seeing it. So if you want to skip ahead to the next timestamp, go ahead. But I'm going to spoil a little bit of No Man of God. But there's a point toward the end of the movie where Ted Bundy's like, I'm going to confess to my crimes and I'm going to only tell Bill Hagmeyer about it. Um, in the scene where he tells... The scene where he like tells him this vital information is shot in such a weird way. <laughs> um it's the two men are like I think I think they they're they're facing each other. And the way the camera is angled is it is basically Ted Bundy, Luke Kirby is telling Elijah Wood, Bill Hagmeyer the information. And when the shot when the shot uh when the camera shoots Elijah Wood, it is from an upward angle from, you know, about waist high. And then when it shoots Luke Kirby on the other side, it's about from eye level down to where he is kind of kneeling. And it is very much, it is very, very much a little heavy handed at this, but it's very much showing them as almost like a uh, it's almost like Ted Bundy is performing fellatio <laughs> on on Bill Hagmeyer, and it's just this weird visual visual 
thing that I, I kind of feel like the movie thought it was being really clever and symbolic, <laughs> but it's also like, okay, you're just, it, it's a little too, too, way too uh, heavy handed there. Uh-huh. But it was really weird. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> um but yeah, but other than that, it wasn't a good movie. It did nothing. It really did nothing for me. And I think part of that is also because it spans, I think, a fairly considerable amount of time. Um, and it just kind of breezes past. Like there's a couple uh, or there's at least one like um, I almost said collage, but like this one um, uh, um, montage montage. There you go. Thank you. Um, where it's just them talking and everything. And it's like, I want more of you know, the actual content. I don't want that to be breezed past it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I've said in my letterbox review that it's a, it's a Ted Bundy movie that doesn't know what it wants to be. And I kind of stand by that. Okay. So that's no man of God. It's on AMC plus, but you'll probably have a better time watching <laughs> pretty much anything else I would say. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. I just wanted to say that about the weird camera angles in, in the finale. Cause I forgot to mention that in my <laughs> Patreon potpourri. Um, yeah, very weird, very weird. Did you have any interest in this movie? No. Okay. Do you have any interest in it now? Um and no. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I briefly considered watching it because mm-hmm. um uh there was the potential to interview Elijah Wood and or Luke Kirby, but oh, yeah. I did not, you know. Number one, neither one of them is going to ever want to talk to me. <laughs> right. Number two, uh, I, I I didn't have time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I hear you. So, yeah. So, that's No Man of God, unfortunately. Not that good. Um, yeah. Ben, what do you have next? All right. Uh, so, I'll talk about the... Uh, it's a Netflix movie uh, written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's called mm-hmm. The Lost Daughter. Um, plot synopsis. Uh, a woman's seaside vacation takes a dark turn when her obsession with a young mother forces her to confront secrets from her past. Um, so this is the uh, writing and directorial debut from uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, it's coming to Netflix um, I believe it comes to theaters on the 17th first mm-hmm. and then Netflix probably two weeks later or something. Probably. Um, starring Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley and Dakota Johnson, Ed Harris, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, Paul Mescal. Um, and, uh, I just watched this last night as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley are fantastic. Nice. Um, some of the best performances of the year. Um, I think, and I think it's a really interesting subject. I think there are stretches of this where it's really great. Um, but there are certain plot elements that just had me, uh, that were just a little too much, I think. Oh, interesting. Because um, it goes, uh, Olivia Coleman. It goes back and forth from Olivia Coleman in the present day. She um is on this vacation, I think, in Greece. Um, excuse me, and she um she's a professor, and she's just like trying to 
it's like a working holiday so you know okay. teachers never really get a break right um so she's working a lot on the beach and you know um and then she runs into dakota johnson and her kind of group who is this kind of like partying very loud kind of mm. obnoxious kind of group and um dakota johnson soon realize or Dakota Johnson soon uh, reminds her of her younger self. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back and forth between flashbacks and the present present day. And uh, Jesse Buckley plays her younger self. Oh, interesting. Um, Okay. And just uh, her struggles as a mother who um, was often left to do it all on her own. Um, and her struggles to really like uh find herself and make something of herself without you know while stepping out of being a mother uh being more than just a mother um so i think that is really interesting and it's that aspect of it is really dealt well done Mm -hmm. but it really plays into that uh you know, seeing uh, Olivia Coleman seeing something in Dakota Johnson of herself and really, you know, wanting to uh, not have her make the same mistakes as she did, if that makes sense. Interesting. Um, okay. So, I don't know. I I think I will watch it again before I write a review, yeah. uh, which I'll hopefully have one up on the website when it's closer to the release nice. date. By the way, it hits Netflix December 31st. Okay. Yeah. And I think the limited release in theaters is going to be the 17th. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I I, uh, I think it will play really well. We, we kind of talked in uh, Patreon about mm. Belfast and how that yeah. is a perfect movie for my mom. Yeah. But I feel like this, you know, not only because she's a mom, but I feel like my mom would like this one as well mm-hmm. um so uh like i said I, I there there are some really great aspects of it um and maybe if i watch it again i'll appreciate them even more but uh yeah and then uh maggie gyllenhaal does a pretty solid job of directing nice um, it's there's some really interesting camera choices mm-hmm. uh, some really uh interesting story uh decisions but yeah nice how were the performances overall like what were who was the standout because i really like dakota johnson and jesse buckley and olivia coleman obviously yeah they're all fantastic honestly and maybe this probably speaks to my face blindness with uh, dakota johnson but i can completely forgotten that she was in this movie until the credits rolled oh really Uh, um, (laughs) yeah uh but yeah olivia coleman is fantastic um I mean, it's going to be hard to top Kristen Stewart this year, yeah. but she is she's pretty close behind. Nice. Um, I I'd be interested to get your take on it because mm. I think we're both Olivia Coleman fans. Oh, on yeah. this podcast. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then I I would say we're also Jesse Buckley fans on this podcast. Yeah. I I and, honestly don't think I knew that she was in the movie until right. Uh, fairly recently, and I mean. Cause like I I I I loved Jesse Buckley in um, 
my movie of the year last year. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking, thinking of, of ending things. things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought you, she was phenomenal in that. You still haven't seen Wild Rose yet, have you? I I did. Oh and yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was great in that. Yes. I oh, yeah. I loved her in that. I need to watch that again. Me too. Um. Yeah. She's she's just as good here. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. She she has some really meaty uh scenes in this so uh i am glad that she was in it she's she's really good awesome yeah i'll definitely have to check that out um yeah that is definitely it's definitely on my list um shall i go on to my next one go for it okay i'm gonna talk about the eyes of tammy faye um this movie is uh an intimate look at the extraordinary rise fall and redemption of televangelist tammy faye baker it stars jessica chastain as tammy faye baker andrew garfield as jim baker cherry jones vincent d'onofrio vincent d'onofrio playing jerry falwell um and a bunch of other people in the movie and it's directed by michael showalter who is a director that i really like and i love him in wet hot american summer of course but I mean, I love, <clears throat> excuse me, I loved The Big Sick and, oh God, what was that movie? Hello, My Name is Doris, I think. Did he do that? He did uh, The Lovebirds last year, which I never oh, saw. Oh yeah, he did, didn't he? Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> Not that I didn't like it. I thought it was fine, but yeah, he did my uh, Hello, My Name is Doris and I really like that. Okay. Um, with, I think, was it Sally Field? Um yeah, but anyway, um, I have a very complicated relationship with the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, I thought that it was not great. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I think it's because I just have this grudge or this bias or this prejudice against televangelism <laughs> and like this type of just very phony Christian who is like like by and large televangelism is about bilking people out of their money right. like that is that is 100% what it is and the movie presents Tammy Faye Baker as this innocent somewhat of an innocent bystander to Jim Baker's philandering and his and his money you know embezzling and everything and his crimes and i feel like that is for all the good that the movie paints Tammy Faye Baker to be, because it does it does go to go to certain lengths to talk about how she was a friend to LGBTQ uh, people and um, how she went on to you know work with within the LGBT uh, community and everything, and that's admirable. That's great. That's fine. But I feel like to paint her as sympathetic as this movie does, when by definition what they were doing is like like she there is no way that she wasn't at least complicit in bilking people out of their mm-hmm. money and like just to paint it in a way that seems like she is just genuinely wanting to help people feels a little bit disingenuous and it might be that I have a bias going into it or prejudice going into it but I just feel like these like I feel like you can you can paint a monster in 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 as good a light as you can but at the end of the day they're still doing something that is wrong like Mm -hmm. it is objectively wrong and to ignore that or to give them a pass for that i feel like is just not not within my moral compass or anything um so yeah so i just had some some pretty intense thoughts about that and to, to say that i 
Um, I thought Andrew Garfield, as much as I like him as an actor, I think he was miscast. I think. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe not miscast. I think what what I enjoyed about the movie was that it presents the story of Tammy Faye Baker through this prism of self delusion, and it creates kind of the short one of the shortcomings and one of the unique aspects of the movie is that it it takes that very like high energy phony televangelist persona and applies it to everything in the movie <laughs> like this is like a dream world of the mm-hmm. televangelist world um and like real people don't act like that <laughs> and like it's off putting but it's also like this heightened reality and it has this energy to it that seems like it's um that that it's that it's kind of through this veneer of self delusion for her and that's all well and good but again at the end of the day it is it's ignoring that how complicit she likely was and this is something that i'm basing on nothing <laughs> like i just know that in that like i i just feel like there's a disconnect there for me and i don't know if that's a bias or prejudice on my part but what did you think of the eyes of tammy faye no i i don't think you're totally wrong there mm. i think one Only of the biggest wrong. <laughs> one of the biggest issues with the movie is that it does not pick a side whether she is yeah. innocent or not. Um, it just kind of shows these things happening. Yeah. Um, like she, she, there's, there's a couple scenes of her like, like uh, shopping for these extravagant, luxurious clothes. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, showing people around their fabulous house mm-hmm. and uh whatever and it's not totally clear like and then there's there's other scenes where she's like confronting Andrew Garfield about like the money and mm-hmm. uh he's not totally honest or whatever he's yeah. always dodging the question but uh yeah I I did think that was a pretty big issue with it yeah. um uh I I actually liked Andrew Garfield in this. I thought okay. he was really fantastic. Nice. He's really funny. Um and you can really see like how he's he's very charismatic, so you can mm-hmm. very really see how he could easily fool stupid people yeah. <laughs> uh into giving away their money. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. I I think my what I kind of came back to about it about his performance was that, you know, Andrew Garfield was in Tick Tick Boom mm-hmm. and and uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye this year, and he was in he was in one good movie this year. Mm. <laughs> um, I didn't like the Eyes of Tammy Faye, and I I I I will walk back me saying that he was miscast. I just think that he made choices that was matching the the energy of the overall movie. And I think I just wasn't connected to that energy. Okay. Um, yeah. How did you feel about Jessica Chastain? I think she did. Okay. Um, it's, it's a fine line, um, to have a character like that be presented as a sympathetic character. And I think that there, once I tapped into the idea of it being about self-delusion, like that performance she gives at the end where it's, where it's like it cuts between her actual performance and like this very big, big production performance. That's when I was like, Oh, 
oh, this is about self-delusion. <laughs> this is about her having this this inflated idea of who she is and what she can be and everything and how that ropes her into all of these shenanigans and crimes and everything mm-hmm. um, and moral, morally ambigu- ambiguous kind of scenarios and stuff. And like that kind of connected, I connected to that a little bit, but then... I mean, I just, I just think that I think she did. A, I think she did okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, I really liked her. Nice. Um, I think uh, it's between her and Kristen Stewart for me. Oh uh, wow, best actress. And, and I think not to get all Oscar-y on it mm-hmm. on this, but uh, I think that's what it's going to go down to at the Oscars wow. between her and Kristen Stewart. Nice. Check out um, the moviestate.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think this is a very different performance from what Kristen Stewart does. I think it's mm-hmm. a lot more uh, energetic. Yeah. Uh, a lot more transformative, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, she, is, she is unrecognizable yeah. uh, underneath all of the makeup true. and the hair and all of the, the costumes. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot more committed, I feel like, to... Um, who she was. Uh, and so I, I really yeah. liked her performance in that. Um, nice. <laughs> there's also, uh, so this was, uh, the first screening that I went to after recovering from COVID. Oh yeah. And so I, I saw it in kind of a packed theater. Okay. Um, uh, and there's a really funny cut, uh, I forget when exactly it is, but um, <laughs> Tammy Faye takes like uh, some kind of uh, over the counter or not over the counter, like prescription uh, uh, meds mm-hmm. like uh, Lexapro or I, I don't know, some kind of, yeah. you know, antidepressant or something. Mm-hmm. Um, she she takes a bunch of them and there's a cut where uh she's like live on TV and she's like zonked out of her mind. Oh yeah. And it was really funny. Um that that got a big uh laugh at the screening that I was at. So nice. Uh, I like I remembered that. That was really good. Um, nice. But yeah, I I agree with you. It's it is kind of uh all over the place uh the other thing i'll say is i really liked cherry jones as tammy faye's mom yeah she was solid yeah i like i like her as an actress in Mm -hmm. general but yeah she was she was good she was the one like one she was kind of like uh, for me for for me as an audience member me specifically my specific point of view like Mm -hmm. she was a vessel for that (laughs) um she was playing the matt hurts of the crowd pretty much yeah um, but she, she did good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought it was just okay overall, if not just kind of bad. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to go to your next one? Sure. Okay. I'm very excited or I'm very curious what you thought of this movie because I <laughs> noped out of it after 30 minutes. Uh, go ahead, Ben, with your next pick for potpourri. My pick is the... Movie of the year, Titan. Oh, uh, little superfluous there, but mm. uh, anyway, uh, Matt's wrong. Uh, directed <laughs> and written by Julia DeCourno. Um, plot synopsis. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious what the plot synopsis is. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, following a series of unexplained crimes, a former firefighter is reunited with his son who has been missing for 10 years. That is sort of accurate. Um, yeah. Because this movie kind of defies uh, uh, explanation. Um, but uh, stars um, Agatha Roussel, I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Vincent Linden. Um, that's pretty much who you need to worry about. Before you, before you go on, did you ever see the filmmaker's previous movie, Raw? Yes. Okay. I saw it, uh, earlier, like, uh, after she won the Palm d'Or for this. Okay. Um. After Spike Lee (laughs) spoiled it. (laughs) Right. Um, cause I had not seen it before that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I wanted to familiarize myself and I, I liked it. Um, it was pretty bonkers. And then this was, uh, on a whole nother level. Yeah. (laughs) And see that's, so this is why I'm so fascinated by this because I don't know if I would characterize what I saw of Titane or Titan, Titan, whatever, Titan, um, as a horror movie, Mm -hmm. but it's maybe a thriller. And I would assume that Raw was horror. And like, you are not a horror guy. <laughs> right. And so I was very curious when I saw your rating for Titan, because holy crap, um, <laughs> what am I missing, man? <laughs> um, the rest of the movie. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I just, I, like, it's literally a movie that I could not stomach. Sure. I just, I was too grossed out by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how was it? <laughs> um, it is... Easily the most insane movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the most insane movie I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Uh, or it, at least in a long time. Granted, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen any Cronenberg movies, so oh. uh, that might change once I do that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this movie is insane. <laughs> uh, insane in a good way, I would say. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, it, but there, there is some <laughs> insane shit that goes on mm-hmm. in this movie that just defies logic, uh, explanation, um, human mm-hmm. uh, uh, reasoning, um, all that. But it is a really interesting way to explore the things that Julia DeCorno has in mind. Okay. Um, like... Uh, self acceptance mm-hmm. is a big theme. Uh, body uh, acceptance, body, I guess, positive, excuse me, body mm-hmm. positivity, uh, family, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a movie about cars that's about family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just. <sighs> Could there have been a uh, more uh, palatable way to explore these things? Maybe, but mm-hmm. this uh, there are scenes that in this movie that will stick with me for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's crazy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. That being said, I don't know if it'll make my top ten. But okay, I. I think it is one of, if not the most unforgettable movie of the year. Wow. Yeah. Man, so that I don't know. I I'm I'm I I don't think I'm going to give it another shot. I yeah. I I just can't. I that the scenes I saw were it was too much. It was just too much for me. Um 
Yeah. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, Sorry to spoil it for you, but the ending, uh, Stephen King walks in. Oh. They just talk to him for like half an hour. Oh, okay. And uh, he... He spoils uh, the next 10 books that he uh, oh, is wow. writing. So Okay, well, I definitely won't see it. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I can understand mm-hmm. its detractors, uh, people who don't uh, agree with, and I think there are even some of these people in the IFJA, people who... <laughs> don't agree with uh its themes and the ways mm-hmm. that it uh portrays them but uh it, it worked for me so, nice yeah yeah and like all of those themes are good like i i'm i'm on board with that i just i the way that it was done <laughs> i just i can't i don't know maybe i'm just too oversensitive about like imagery in like horror or genre <laughs> movies but it's just like, I don't know. It was just, maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Uh-huh. But yeah, it just, oh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, I, I also think like Agatha Roussel mm-hmm. and Vincent Linden give really, really good performances. Nice. Uh, in, again, a, a very different way from, mm-hmm. uh, from Kristen Stewart or yeah. uh, Jessica Chastain or yeah. Olivia Coleman, but uh yeah, she she gives a really incredible performance. Like I, I don't think this movie would work without that kind of performance. And nice. Vincent Linden, his character, um uh, he like you though you think that he's going one way and then mm. he goes a completely different way and it's okay. It's all just really captivating. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, I just, I, yeah, I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, any, anything more on Tatan or Tatane? Um, oh, I, I, I had tweeted that, uh, I got about 20 minutes into Tatan and, uh, not my, not my cup of motor oil. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I just couldn't do it. Uh, I will say also, it looks incredible. Like, I, I really mm-hmm. love the cinematography in this. Yeah. Uh, the lighting is just crazy good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited for what Julia DeCorno does next. Nice. Awesome. Well, that makes one of us. Uh, just not my not my cup of tea. Re- remind me again, you, you did see Raw? I or? did not. Oh, okay. I did not. Okay. Be, specifically because it sounded like it was gross. Um, uh yeah there are some gross parts to it yeah uh, but yeah definitely nothing on this level okay gotcha all right well my next movie this will be brief and then we can kind of start winding down a little bit but um this will this will be my last one and it's something that you brought up in potpourri in a fairly recent episode i think heartland Oh, it was the Heartland episode. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, yeah, it's a Petite Maman, the new uh, Celine Siama movie. Um, it was at Heartland, and you watched it through Chicago, Chicago. Film Festival? Yep. Yeah. Um, but I'll read the plot summary. Uh, Nellie has just lost her grandmother and is helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. She explores the house and the surrounding woods. One day she meets a girl her same age building a treehouse. Um, so this movie just 
kind of blew me away in mm. in such um such a big way it it is a beautiful beautiful movie about the relationship between a mother and her daughter and it's told in such a unique fashion um since it's kind of spoiled in the plot summary it has some fantastical elements of it um it it puts the mother and daughter in a position to where they can communicate with each other in a very unique almost science fiction kind of way and by doing that it creates this even ground for them it is and it is so interesting and especially when you have these two very young actresses that are that are communicating to each other and talking to each other and playing off of each other i think they're twin sisters or they're sisters i think so yeah yeah but it's just it is remarkable how they get how like Celine Siama got this got this performance from these two actresses that is so just steeped in uh in emotion and mm-hmm. it is diving into like what like the mental health issues of the mother and the abandonment issues of the of the of the daughter and the grief that they both feel and the grief of of losing the grandmother and everything and just the way that it plays out is just so beautiful and it's it's an hour and 12 minute movie too. Like it's so brief, but it leaves such a lasting impact. It's just, it is so, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I absolutely adored it. Um, and then I'll get your thoughts on it, but I do want to say that, uh, I got into the habit of referring to it as it's because it's called petite maman, but I got in the habit of referring to it as petite my man, um, which it's French for a small mother, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's just such a beautiful movie. Um, Celine Siama, man, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely adored Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. And I need to go back and see the rest of her filmography because, mm-hmm. I mean, just the way she captures human emotion is like on another level. Yes. And, with this movie introducing this fin- fantastic element to it, it's just it is it was jaw dro- jaw dropping for me. So yeah, yeah. So what did you think of Petite Maman? Or yeah, Petite I, Maman. No, no, not that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, how the hell do you top uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is this is just an incredible follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know what to expect going into it, but uh, I just went into it because, you know, I we both loved uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So mm-hmm. um, I I think this is incredible. I actually rewatched it. I think we might have actually watched it the same night. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I watched it a second time and... I don't know. Maybe I was just like too keyed into like I knew it was going to happen. So mm-hmm. I think I was a little less uh, enthusiastic about it. But okay. I don't know. I, I need to watch it again. Um, Interesting. But I think to her credit, like this is one of those movies where you just kind of want to just live in this world for yes. as many times as possible. Like not because there's more to unlock with it or there's Mm -hmm. you know hidden themes or whatever but it's just such a realistic you know just understated kind of world and it's it's doing this thing that i i've never like 
it, it's a very familiar subject about grief, mm-hmm. but it's done in such a unique, special way yeah. that I've never seen done before that it's it's incredible. And I don't know, maybe this is just, maybe this is part of why I liked it a little bit less the second time, mm-hmm. but I feel like so many movies these days are either about grief or trauma in yeah. one way or another that... I don't know, but but again, this is just uh, so unique and so special that uh, I loved what she was doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. This is in two just out of this world child performances. Yes, like it is. Like when you think of oof. that, the the girl who has to play her mother. Mm-hmm. And just like she has to play someone who is both older, but is still a kid at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, oh yeah, uh, it, it's not something that you necessarily notice at first, right? But and just some of the dialogue. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yep. Like, there's a moment where. Um, and I think I said this in my Patreon potpourri for it, but uh, where the mother character says, you're not you're not responsible for my sadness or something like right. that. And like the power of those words is just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it is just it is just just phenomenal. Um, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, this may change like tomorrow or mm-hmm. next week or whatever, but. This is at or near the top of my list for the year. Me too. Uh, yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. I um, uh, I and I don't think that Neon has given this a release date yet. Yeah, uh, I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere that they're showing it in like super limited release in mm-hmm. like Brooklyn or something wow. in December. But Dang. beyond that, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I really hope that people are able to see it once it is released, whenever that is. Me too. Me too. Because it is, it is incredibly powerful. Um, yeah. Just I was trying to look at a release date, but I can't. Um, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's petite maman. Um, and do you want to round us out with your final, final piece of potpourri, which is a movie that I. If you follow the list, uh, I have no idea what it is. Um, I like I have I have no idea what this movie is. This is uh, yeah, this is another uh, weird French movie. Okay, wow, <laughs> uh, kind of on a theme here at the yeah. end. Of the, uh, so the last one that I'll bring up is called Mandibles, mm-hmm. uh, and it's written and directed by Quentin Dupieux, okay. uh, who I pretty much uh wanted to see this because he uh wrote and directed a movie from last year called Deerskin oh, which right. I really really liked mm-hmm. um starring um uh Jean Dujardin mm-hmm. Jean Dujardin and Adele Hanel from Portrait of the Lady on oh, Fire Oh yeah nice um so that was pretty much what drew me to this and um so Quentin Dupieux is this French uh comedic director and writer who just writes and directs these 
weird, just off the wall bonkers movies. Like mm-hmm. Deerskin was about <laughs> a guy who gets a deerskin jacket and it makes him go crazy and uh, uh, convinces him to destroy every other jacket in the world <laughs> and start okay. killing people. <laughs> okay. It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> so, Mandible's plot description. Two simple-minded friends discover a giant fly in the trunk of a car and decide to domesticate it to earn money with it. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, kind of in that same vein as Deerskin. Um, Again, this is is a pretty short movie, 77 minutes. Okay. Um, Stars uh, Gregoire Ludig. Sorry, I'm Mm going to butcher these names. Uh, David Marseille. Uh, Adele Exarchopoulos. Sorry, <laughs> she was in uh the other Palm Door winner, uh, Blue is the Warmest Color. That's a, oh, that's I never I saw that, but I've I've heard great things. Yeah, same here. Um, nice. but anyway, so this <laughs> this I I liked uh Deerskin better than this okay. for the record. Um, mm-hmm. I. I still think it's it's just a a funny dumb <laughs> stupid comedy mm-hmm. but it's the the comedy bits are just really funny. It's these two morons who like I said find this giant fly mm-hmm. and try to uh train it like a dog and try to make money with it okay. and just every opportunity they have they do the dumbest possible thing um i've heard uh people say that it's kind of like the french dumb and dumber Um, oh that's interesting (laughs) okay so um there's there's some really funny bits and of course like one of the uh understated parts of this is like at no point does anybody question like why there's a giant fly (laughs) okay (laughs) um but yeah, it, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting. Nice. Uh, like I said, I I still like Deer Skin a little bit better, but this is still you know kind of in the same vein and still uh, pretty solid, pretty funny, and nice. also pretty short uh, mm-hmm. comedy. And I believe Sweet. it's on Hulu right now. Oh, so, nice! Uh, people can check that out if they're interested. I might have to check it out. That that's an interesting one for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah, that wasn't on my radar, but it is now. And speaking of on our radars, um, <laughs> so we're, we're about a week before nominations close for IFJ, two weeks from the, um, meeting and everything. What is on your short list of movies that you need to watch before those deadlines and before the end of the year also? Like what is on your radar? So, um, there isn't a whole lot that I have missed uh, as of right now, um, I think, uh, I'm going to watch being the Ricardos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to watch, uh, um, I, I, I'm still waiting to see if I can get a screener for this, or maybe I'll have to see mm-hmm. it in the theater. Uh, come on, come on. Oh yeah. Me too. The, uh, Mike Mills director, um, Starring Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I've heard he's really good. I've heard the kid in that. I think his name is like Woody Norman. Okay. Uh, I've heard that he's really excellent as well. Nice. Um I want to see that. I want to see 
uh, it's called Red Rocket, directed by oh, Sean yeah. Baker, who did the Florida Project, which I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard good things about that one too. Nice. So um, I think those are the big ones. I don't think there's too many others that I have missed out on right now. Nice. I have missed out on several, um, so I have some gaps to fill. I have a list. I'm not going to read all of them or anything, but uh, a few that I know that you're going to go crazy about, I think, um, <laughs> is uh, Annette is one. Uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar yep. is on my radar. Uh, the Green Knight, which I've had your Blu-ray for several, several <laughs> weeks um, and never got around to. Um, also need to see Bergman Island. Um the documentary Val, I've heard really good things about, about Disfluency that was at Heartland. Yes. Um, and I, I, I need to see The Tragedy of Macbeth. Like, I need to find a way to see that. Um, Finch, I guess. Um, Flea, I've heard good things about. I really mm-hmm. want to see Passing on Netflix. Um, there's a documentary on Netflix called Procession that I'm really interested in seeing. And uh, I still need to see The Power of the Dog, which I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, and then the big ones, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and The Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so. I think you will like Passing. Nice. Um, definitely Barb and Star and mm-hmm. The Green Knight. Nice. Um, I really liked Power of the Dog. I don't know if you mm-hmm. will, but... Um, I really liked it for the record. Uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, I also really liked. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll have a review up on the website. I believe it's scheduled to post on the 18th. Nice. So, um, yeah. Nice. And, uh, what else do you have going up on themoviestate.com coming soon? Uh, by the time this episode is out, I will have a, uh, review of the new Adam McKay scare quotes comedy yeah scare quotes satire uh <laughs> from netflix um uh which oh man uh i don't know what the what was the bigger letdown this mm. year uh that or um uh, what was the other movie we talked Home about sweet uh, Home Alone. how <laughs> oh yeah i had high expectations yeah. for the straight to disney plus right. uh, unnecessary sequel yeah um <laughs> no i don't know what was the bigger letdown that uh don't look up or house of gucci mm-hmm. um but yeah wow yeah i've heard horrible things about don't look up so i'm gonna see it as soon as i can oh <laughs> uh, man yeah uh, i could go on but just mm. read my review i i mm-hmm. feel like i encapsulated it pretty well nice oh also both on our radar uh tomorrow we're seeing licorice pizza the new ptm oh, yeah. movie yep um which i know nothing about so i'm i'm excited to go in blind and uh and check it out um, all right. Well, uh, congratulations on your website, Ben, themoviestate.com. Super excited to see all the, all the stuff you're going to have there. I'm very impressed with the, again, the Oscar <laughs> page. Like I, uh, like even as someone who isn't into the Oscar race or anything, like I'll like look over it and everything. So check that out. Themoviestate.com. Follow him on Twitter at themoviestate. Um, the, the long, long, uh, um, long time detractor of Twitter has joined Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long state. it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right. Well, next time on the podcast, I think we're going to have a special episode where we're going to be talking about West Side Story, maybe a little bit about Nightmare Alley and Licorice Pizza with um, parking lot special recordings. Um, I don't know when that's going to go up. I might try to post that this week as a bonus episode uh, since it's been so long since you guys uh, have had content from us on the main feed. But other than that, I might do something uh, next week for it. Um, Also check out Tower Junkies. Tiny and I are going to be reviewing Tales from the Dark Side the movie and a couple of Tales from the Dark Side TV show episodes this week, hopefully. Um, So that'll be exciting to get back to Tower Junkies. Yeah, is there anything else that we need to cover, Ben? I think that just about does it. All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and Ben, thank you for joining me on this episode. And uh, I will see you tomorrow at Licorice Pizza. And uh, yeah, all right, I'm going to go ahead and play us out. There we go, good. Um, All right, well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Ariana DeBose's performance as Anita that really cuts to the emotional core of the movie. And like I said, I rated it four stars out of five. And I also want to mention that the actor Mike Feist, Feist, he plays Riff in the movie. And holy crap, he is he amazing. Like him and him and um Ariana DeBose are are scene stealers all the way. Like I said, her her performance as uh as um oh god as anita is really really pivotal to the emotional core of the story because there there are elements of the story where the the tragedy comes to play out and she is kind of at the at the center of that in, in a in a pretty pretty big way and it really helps to bring this level of character to the to the struggle between the sharks and the jets and it's really well done it's incredibly well done but i do want to mention that this is just stunningly gorgeous it is one of the most like one of the best looking films of the year that i've seen this podcast was edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.